You are listening to True Crime Twins, a true crime podcast hosted by Chloe and Melina Cantor. True Crime Twins is produced by Crawlspace Media. Welcome back to True Crime Twins. I'm Chloe. And I'm Melina. Thank you for joining us. We have been on a bit of a hiatus. Melina, what have you been up to? Some changes in life. Um, I have been enjoying being a nurse, but um, we had to take some time off to aid in Chloe's recovery. Yes, for those who weren't made aware, I have been hospitalized and in recovery for months because I came on with Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is a rare neurological illness where your nervous system creates an antigen, which attacks your nerves. So your brain isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body and it results in paralysis. So I have suffered quite a lot, um, but I'm on the road to a full recovery, but that is kind of what we've been up to. Melina was you know, selfless enough to quit her job and move in with me for a time to help out with me and my kid. So things are doing, I mean, things are going really well now. I think that it's it's not over yet, but we're definitely making huge strides. Yeah, and we're really excited to be back here and talking about some of our favorite cases. And we are interested to hear what you guys think. So let us know. We are um, on Gmail at True Crime Twins Podcast. You can also tweet at us and follow us on Instagram. To our listeners who use TikTok, please follow True Crime Twins if you want more content from us. We have some exclusive videos on that channel. Our handle is at True Crime Twins. And today we're going to do something different. Instead of breaking down a specific criminal case, we wanted to do a little question and answer based on messages that we've received from you all, from our listeners. So we received these messages and I haven't checked this in a long time, admittedly, because of you know my recent illness, but I've gotten caught up and there are a couple of messages that I just thought would be beneficial for everyone to hear. Uh, before we get started, though, I just wanted to mention without reading details that we were contacted by a family member through our email account of Dana Rishby. We covered this Israeli young woman's disappearance in a past episode. She disappeared in Tulum, Mexico. We definitely encourage you to listen to this episode because we put a lot of research into it and we think that you'll absolutely learn a lot, including talking to the prime suspect. We didn't include the call, but we talked about the call. Yeah, we we spoke with him directly and he actually you know, made some comments. So make your way over there when you're finished here. But we were contacted by a family member with very interesting and compelling information that we weren't aware of. I don't think this is the time or place to open up about it. I'm still processing it. (laughs) Yeah, but we will absolutely address these new developments in a future episode. So that's exciting. That's the benefit of checking this email. And I'm really sorry to our listeners. I I was just totally preoccupied at that time, but I'm back in checking these messages. So I don't think you have to apologize for that, but I just wanted to add a quick anecdote. I just read that they're seeking the death penalty for Chad Daybell. What do you think about that? This is uh, Chad Daybell who murdered his wife's children for her, (laughs) Ty Lee and JJ, and buried them on his property. He's also being accused of murdering his ex-wife. 
these people were famous because they were, you know, doomsday preppers and they believed that people could be zombies and that the only way was to kill them. So he is now, um, as Melina said, being pursued under the death penalty. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see what the outcome is. Cause I feel like in this day and age, it's, it's rare for somebody to be sentenced to death. Like there are capital crimes, but I don't know. I'm not really familiar with that area specifically about how they feel about capital punishment. Is he in Iowa? Idaho. Idaho. Yeah. I mean, it's state by state. So I think more and more we're seeing the death penalty being abolished, especially in those more liberal states, but out in, you know, that area, I, I could see them still pursuing it. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there, but let's get started with these messages. I wanted to start with an interesting one from a man named William. He wanted to talk about the Brianna Maitland case. He says, I love that you're keeping this story out there. I was at the time an EMTD and an EMS instructor training chair for District 1. All EMS, fire, and police from the area responded to the call to search for Brianna two weekends in a row. At the time, we were not told of the broken necklace, nor the coins scattered about, nor were we told about how the car was lodged where it was disabled. I guess at the time, they wanted to keep that quiet. We searched for miles into the woods and all around the restaurant and where the car was found and came up with nothing. We all had a problem with the trooper not contacting the mother of the registration. The fact that he towed the car and didn't report it, we lost valuable time. It was thought that she left the restaurant and had car trouble, attempted to walk back to the restaurant that was closed by the time she got there. Someone offered her a ride and Brianna was very trusting in all people and got in the car and was never seen from again, or she was abducted at her car and may have been killed and left in the woods, but with snow on the ground, we found no tracks anywhere. There had been a lot of rumors surrounding this case, including that she was abducted and thrown into a manure pit, which would resolve the body. Other rumors were that she was in human trafficking. The case was badly run from the beginning. Vermont didn't have a lot of murders or abductions, and we were told that Vermont State Police was reluctant to bring in the FBI. I'm not sure if they were ever involved. I know that the father has been looking for his daughter ever since, and there were PIs looking on his behalf. I'm not sure if fingerprints were taken from the car in the trunk or on the hood, etc. Route 118 is the only road in or out of the area. I think about the case all the time, and now I live in North Carolina. I still have hope. I know they enlisted the help in September of 2020, a DNA firm. I'm not sure if that did get anything. But great show. You continue to update and get the word out there so no one has forgotten her. Hmm. So So he's saying that he was there and searched for her. Yeah, this is a very interesting email that we got quite recently. He definitely seems to care about, you know, this case having attention and took issue with the issues that, you know, um, were being, I don't don't know, he, he wasn't pleased with the investigation. He wasn't pleased that they waited so long to start the search. So very interesting to hear from his perspective. Uh, I thought it was interesting, too, that he mentioned um, the DNA firm, which was um, Othram, or was it Ortham? Othram? I don't know. But I, I actually didn't know that. 
yeah, they there was a big media blitz about it um, that the state police had submitted a DNA sample related to the case. They're not specifying where or what, and they haven't made any announcements about like an, an identification. But you would assume that if one was made, that you know wheels would be moving. But it's it's very vague exactly what the etiology of this DNA is. Yeah. So very cool message. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, William. And now a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. The next email we're going to talk about is also about the Brianna Maitland case. It's from um, a listener named Chuck. Chuck says, I listened to your most recent pod with Tim and Lance about Brianna. In it, Chloe mentioned a website that had the timeline and archived stories about the case. I was hoping that you could share what the site is. Thank you for keeping interest in the case alive. And it seems that nothing new is coming to light. Thank you again. So I can put the link in the show notes. That way I'm not reading out a URL. But yeah, that, what he's referring to is a new website that had you know a lot of links to different resources in the Brianna Maitland case. I'll certainly link that as well as my blog that covers the case. This next message is from Mark, who wanted to talk about the JonBenet Ramsey case. And now we're kind of going in another direction here. Uh, we covered the JonBenet Ramsey case a little while back, where you and I went through the case details and then engaged in sort of a debate about who the most likely perpetrator was. I felt it was a d- domestic perpetrator. You felt that it was a stranger. So let's see what Mark says. My first thought listening to the Ramsey case is that it's far-fetched that an intruder would be responsible for the kidnapping or murder. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, go on. (laughs) I love how you didn't interrupt any other ones. (laughs) There are so many odd inconsistencies in actions with other similar crimes. This individual was calm and cool enough to spend time prepping the pineapple, making their torture device, and writing a ransom note using all materials from the home. Yet the ransom note shows fear of being discovered or police tracking them down, i.e. they have a healthy fear of the owners calling police, but not afraid of being caught by the homeowners during the commission of the crime. Either this person is insane or threw a lot of red herrings to cover their tracks and intent. Also, in most cases I've heard so far, typically criminals bring their murder devices or torture devices. If they've been fantasizing about committing the crime, How do they know they will have the proper tools to perform it? It doesn't make sense. Strange and horrific case. Hope there is justice one day. What do you think about this message from Mark Molina? Well, the weapon was indeed made using household objects, but that doesn't mean that the killer was, that that was their first time there because the Ramsey family opened up their home. In many instances, they threw really large parties. They probably hired like wait staff and had cleaning people, all kinds of potential access to household objects. But the object itself was customized in a very unique way. So that I feel in a way it's like he brought his own weapon, but he, yeah, he did use it using things in the house. I think that this was a very reckless person Yeah. Well, the the thing about being caught by the police and how he seemed really worried about being caught by the police, but not by the family. I don't think that's that weird, especially if he was like researching the family and it's such an enormous house. Like 
she was in the house the whole time and they didn't find her for like how long like hours all night yeah so i well she they didn't discover her missing until the morning but she had about finding her body that was in the house the whole time right the search began in the morning and they didn't find her until the afternoon okay that makes sense yeah but i that's my answer to that i think that it may be far-fetched but not impossible and that's just my gut i agree with mark uh we really do appreciate everybody putting in their thoughts kind of what parts of each episode resonates with them i think the level of comfort and the convenience factor of the murder weapon being at the crime scene like we had this conversation when we talked about the faith hedgepeth murder about how the murder weapon in that case was like an empty bottle that was found in the apartment like the, the killer did not bring the murder weapon well, maybe he didn't left it no i'm pretty sure that the bottle of bacardi originated in the apartment of faith hedgepeth okay if they knew that however way they were able to determine that okay probably through interviews but it does i agree with mark that it shows a level of comfort with the crime scene like with the area when normally if it was a stranger that had no connection they probably wouldn't feel as comfortable and i take your point that they had a lot of hired help they probably had you know landscapers contractors all the time, different people coming in and out. It could be, you know, someone that spent a lot of time there in their home, but I wouldn't think that someone that had been there once or twice would have been that comfortable to be eating from their fridge. And well, listen, they, they could have had intruders and not known it. Like this dude could have chilled in that wine cellar where John Benet's body was found like every night for weeks. He literally just could have like sat quietly in there. Nobody would have known. If, if he snuck into the kitchen in the middle of the night and made himself a snack, and if he did it quietly, nobody would ever know. Maybe like, you know, sometimes people are weird and they're stalkers and they kind of like feel comfortable after a while if they're continuing on a, the same subject. It's, it's possible that she had a stalker or the family had a stalker. And when I mentioned eating food out of a fridge, I thought about the Golden State Killer, about how he, you know, made himself perfectly at home, Joe D'Angelo. I think that he is probably one of the more abnormal offenders. And that, that guy, he stabbed a dog. Yeah. I, I had to stop reading the book after that. I was like, Mm-mm. it was because the dog was going to bark and reveal that he was like peeping. Yeah. The dog survived, but fuck that guy. <laughs> he killed, he shot dead. He was kidnapping, uh, like, I think, I think a teenager and the dad tried to stop it and he shot and killed her dad. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. So, I mean, when we're talking about, you know, criminology and we're talking about certain tendencies for criminals to use this weapon in this circumstance, it's all propensities. It's not, you know, like a black and white thing. So obviously there are exceptions, but I, I do think that in most of these cases where there is such a familiarity with the crime scene, it's because they are, it's, but there are cases where people are just batshit crazy. Yeah. Anyway, that's where we'll stop for today, but please keep messaging us, engage with us on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much. Thank you.